Welcome to Florida In-Depth with the Tampa Bay Times, produced by the Department of Journalism and Digital Communication at the University of South Florida. Here is your host, Professor Elliot Weiser. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. In this episode, we turn our attention to a health concern that many of you don't think about when you take a dip in the ocean or the Gulf. Sure, you've heard about sharks, stingrays, and jellyfish, but have you thought about flesh-eating bacteria? Let me pause right now and say the purpose of this podcast is not to scare you, to make you aware of a real health issue. To help us do that, let's welcome the health and medicine reporter for the Tampa Bay Times, Chris O'Donnell. Hi, Chris. Hey, good to be here. It's great to have you. So, Chris, folks may have heard the term flesh-eating bacteria, but what exactly is it? Well, it's actually uh, known, like the real biological name is Vibrio vinificus. I'm glad you said that, not me. (laughs) (laughs) I almost didn't make it. So it's one of like a hundred different strains of the genus Vibrio. Um, The most famous strain of Vibrio is uh, cholera, which I think a lot of people obviously know about and still can be fatal if if not treated. We see that in the developing world. But um, vinificus is... Uh, more common to uh, the Gulf of Mexico and our shores and the reason that uh, people are paying attention to it is there's been a rise in cases sort of over the past couple of decades and and notoriously it, 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 uh, it's known as flesh-eating bacteria because when you are infected uh, it can rot your flesh. Oh. So what are the different ways you can get the bacteria? Is it limited just to swimming in bodies of water? It's not just that, but that is the most common way. So the bacteria um, is found in sort of brackish water, uh, coastal waters. um, And people, when they go swimming or bathing, if you have a a cut or a nick or an open wound, uh, you could get infected. Bacteria can get under the skin that way. But people have also been infected by eating raw shellfish, so especially really? oysters. Um, the bacteria can actually live in the in the fleshy part of, a, of an oyster, and sometimes people with low immune systems or older people, their their immune system doesn't deal with it when it's inside their body through eating oysters, for example, and people have been infected that way. So we're a few minutes into the podcast and already people are questioning what they're eating and where they're swimming. So we're doing <laughs> we're doing a good job we're, so far. We're not going to be sponsored by the Florida Tourist Board, are no, we? No, I, I don't think so. So what, what happens when a person is infected? Well, the infection is a little bit different depending on if you get it from eating, eating shell, uh, shellfish. In those cases, you would get, you know, fever, uh, abdominal pain, diarrhea. You might get some lesions on your skin. But it can be it can be fatal, like you know, if if it's not treated. But the more common the more common way is when people catch it in the open water, and in those cases, the area around the wound where the bacteria entered will start to get red and swollen. Um, that it might be warm to touch. Those those are the sort of common symptoms. Could you die from y- this? Yes, you can die from this because. Especially with the open wound infections, it's such a fast-spreading bacteria that uh, you know you you can see the the swollenness around the wound. But what's really happening is under the skin; it is rotting your flesh, and it's spreading very quickly. If it's not treated, uh, you you actually can die. Many you know we have about 150 to 200 cases a year. 
in the United States, 20% of those are fatal. So what is the treatment for someone who has flesh-eating bacteria? Um, well, almost immediately, doctors will put patients on strong antibiotics to, you know, to boost the immune system's response. Um, but in cases where flesh is rotting, then typically doctors have to act quickly, um, which can be cutting open a wound. And um, I've actually seen photos that some of the patients that I've interviewed have shared photos with me. And you can see the doctors are trying to figure out how far has this spread underneath the skin. And when they cut open the skin, it's almost like a watermelon. It's the rotted flesh is bright red. Mm. It's really kind of gruesome. They, uh, those photos don't pass the breakfast test. They don't make it onto our website. But um, I've actually had the misfortune to see them. Um, but, yeah, the doctors are trying to figure out how far has, has the infection spread and sadly, and one of the you know, reasons that we write about this disease is, it, it, as I said, it can be fatal, but it can also, the only way to treat it sometimes is through amputation. So doctors like, will try and cut out all the dead flesh, but if, it, if a limb is too far infected, then amputation is often the only way to save a patient's life. I would say if anyone's eating right now and listening to the podcast, you may want to pause, finish your meal, and then continue certainly continue the podcast. So, what, Chris, what, uh, what are some of the common misconceptions about flesh-eating bacteria? Well, the biggest one is, is, is in the term that you just used, flesh-eating. So, um, it rots your flesh. It causes the rotting of your flesh, but it's not the bacteria that is eating your flesh. Um, science hasn't quite figured out what is going on, why it's causing what's called necrotizing fasciitis, which is when, when it causes the necrosis of your, of your flesh. Um, the best kind of guess that I've, I've heard from one researcher was that the uh, enzymes and toxins that the bacteria secrete as they multiply under your skin is actually reacting on your flesh and causing your flesh to die. But the bacteria isn't actually eating your flesh. So that's probably the biggest misconception. Another, another I guess, interesting part of this this uh, bacterium is that it's it's not really supposed to be interacting with humans we're not part of its life cycle it doesn't need us to survive you know it normally flourishes in those brackish waters um interacting with plankton for example but you know because we we live uh, in a tourist area and we we have coastline you know both sides of florida um we do tend to get more cases than any other state Mm. So how can folks reduce the risk of uh, flesh-eating bacterium? Well, the first thing is uh, just to be aware of it, obviously. So um, the highest risks are in the warmer months. The bacteria likes warm, brackish water. Um, it's um, – you shouldn't – I mean, the CDC actually issued a warning this year that, you know, you should not go into those kind of waters if you have an open wound or a cut. If you have been in in an area like that, you should you know wash your wound uh, with something that will disinfect it. Um, and you also need to be careful of um, you know if you cook in raw raw oysters and you've got a cut on your hand, you need to be you need to be careful. You need to try and avoid that if you can. And obviously, wash your hands after handling raw shellfish as well. Interesting. So let's let's pause right here and take a quick break. We will be right back. Never miss the news that matters. The Tampa Bay Times has the Bay Area's largest newsroom and is your source for reliable reporting. 
With 14 Pulitzer Prizes recognizing its commitment to the community through high-quality journalism, The Times provides the news you need from the source you can trust. Find local stories, investigative reports, things to do, updates on Florida politics, and more. In print on Wednesdays and Sundays and 24-7 at TampaBay.com. If you work in the media, communications, or marketing industry, this message is for you. Take your career to the next level by getting your master's degree from one of the top journalism programs in the Southeast. The journalism department at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg, is offering a master's degree in digital journalism and design. And the best thing about it, you can do the entire program from home. This online curriculum can be completed in as little as one year. The program is professionally accredited and provides students with an informative and practical education taught by well-respected professionals and academics. The cost is reasonable. The experience is invaluable. For more information, please call 727-873-4881. That's 727-873-4881 or go to www.usf.com. Dot edu slash journalism. And now, back to Florida In-Depth with the Tampa Bay Times. We are talking with Tampa Bay Times health and medicine reporter Chris O'Donnell. Chris, does climate change and warmer water temperatures affect the spread of this bacterium? It really has. Um, that's a, There was a study done this year, actually, that looked at how uh, cases of, of Vibrio vinoficus have spread north as um, climate change has made coastal waters warmer. So they've actually seen over like a, the last 30 years that the, the, the cases have moved north at the rate of about 30 miles a year. So we're now seeing cases uh, up the eastern seaboard, you know, New York and Connecticut, both issued warnings this year. Um, so there is an expectation that study estimates that the number of cases could double by 2060. This has become a constant theme on this podcast because our first three episodes were about climate change and how it affects marine life and uh, you know hurricanes and that sort of thing. So here's another example of climate change affecting where we live and how we live. So in your story, uh, which was a great story, by the way, you featured a woman named Debbie King who was infected by this bacterium. Talk talk about what happened to Debbie King. It's an interesting story, fascinating. Yeah, De- Debbie's, um, she's such a lovely woman. She actually reached out to me because she wanted to make people more aware of this. So she she and her husband were going boating with some friends uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. She scraped her shin as she was getting onto the, her friend's boat. Um, and her friend even dressed the wound when she was on the boat. Um, the next day, she... Um, she woke up, her shin was kind of sore and puffy, but she thought it was just sunburn. You know, she'd been out in the water all day, so she she didn't think anything of it. She waited a couple more days, and, and it was just getting worse. It was starting to throb. So she went to her GP, uh, and luckily he recognized it for what it was. He said, you need to go straight to the ER. And she's like, well, can I go home first? He was like, no, straight to the ER. <laughs> and as soon as she got to uh, Citrus Memorial Hospital... Um, she she was rushed into emergency surgery. Doctors there, I think Florida doctors are quite aware of this bacterium. So Florida doctors um, to put her into emergency surgery. Um, 
they realized quick, quite quickly that uh, the bacteria had spread pretty fast. So this is like four days now. I said this is a fast-spreading bacterium. Um, they tried to, you know, they cut open her leg to see how far it had spread. They actually tried, they realized they had to amputate uh, below the knee, which they did. But then they, they saw that it had spread even above the knee. They had to do a second amputation about six inches above her knee. And, you know, that's, um, that's a pretty traumatic experience for anybody, you know, just from a day out on, on a boat. But uh, that's, what, that's what she faced. So when, when Debbie came round, you know, she had to deal with the trauma of losing a limb. Um, she had, went into a rehab hospital. And she told me how, um, you know, one day it just hit her like a ton of bricks. You know, she, the emotion, and she couldn't, she didn't want to get out of bed. She didn't want to do anything anymore. She didn't, like, she's a very independent woman. She used to uh, be a nuclear uh, power site technician. So mm. she was a very kind of independent woman, and she suddenly knows she's, you know, she needs to have a wheelchair. She's going to face a lot of rehab. Um, and she actually told me about, you know, she she met the hospital psychologist, and he really helped her. Like, she said that he, his words were like magic for her. And But it, it just shows, you know, from just from a tiny scrape on her shin she's her life has been completely changed um you know her she needs a wheelchair ramp at home she's she's but she's like really turned it around she what she wants to tell people about this she's made it her mission to educate people and uh she's also determined to like walk with her prosthetic leg so and she call, she calls her leg Peg now, which <laughs> I think shows that, you know, she's come to terms with what happened. Well, that is an incredible story. So for people listening to this podcast, Chris, uh, now they may never go in the water again after hearing the story. So what do you say to the listeners out there? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I don't, I don't want to ruin Florida as a tourist destination. I really don't. Um, you know, our economy t- depends on it. Cases are rare. So 150 to 200 a year, roughly. Um, Florida probably gets about 40 maybe a year um, and it also it tends to be it's more dangerous for people with immu- compromised immune systems you know a lot of the time the bacteria might get in your body but your your system can fight it but it you know older people are more at risk the immune compromised are more at risk but it is rare it is very rare that this happens which is why we write about it so can the government do anything to uh, mitigate this issue? They have tried. I mean, this year we, we, we've we seen a lot more awareness of this disease. So the CDC took the unusual step of issuing a, you know, a warning uh, to raise awareness of this because they were seeing a rise in cases. And I think because of that study that showed that cases rising and cases spreading. So... Um, you know, public health notices have been have been in play this year. So certainly, uh, Florida does that. And as I said, New York and Connecticut did it this year, which is you know when you think how far north those states are. Um, and it isn't just to let the public know; it's to make physicians and people in in emergency rooms aware of that this could be what you're looking at. A lot of doctors outside of Florida or the Gulf states aren't as aware of this bacteria. It is so rare. So you need to put this in in their mind that this is what they could be looking at because, again, such a fast-spreading bacteria, you know, if you misdiagnose it, you could cost someone their limb or even their life. So science and medicine, uh, can they do more to help protect people in the future? 
Um, <clears throat> science certainly could. There's, you know, there's been some research on it. It's more about where where it's occurring. But um, I was speaking to uh, one of the University of Florida uh, researchers who's a professor who's worked on it. So, you know, there, like I said, there's a hundred different varieties of Vibrio. The vast majority of them are not, you know, flesh-eating bacterias. So there's there's a thought that you know, if we can sequence the genome of this bacteria and compare it to some of the others, there might be a, a way to come up with a, a drug that can stop that or interfere with that process of, of the flesh being, you know, eroded and decayed. That would be, you know, that would probably be a, a great a great way to treat this without, you know, without having to resort to amputation, which is such a terrible fate. Chris O'Donnell, fascinating story, and uh, certainly I hope that uh, we didn't scare folks, but rather educated them. And if we, and this podcast helps make people more aware, that's what we're here for. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, Elliot. Appreciate it. For our listening audience, please take a moment to give us an excellent rating on your podcast platform, and we would appreciate you telling your friends and family about the podcast. On our next episode of Florida in Depth, we'll be taking a look at school vouchers. New episodes drop on Monday, so until then, I'm Professor Elliot Weiser. Thank you for listening to Florida In-Depth with the Tampa Bay Times. The podcast is produced by the Department of Journalism and Digital Communication at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg. Executive producers are Elliot Weiser and Carolyn Fox. Our director is Christopher Campbell. Producers are Michael Van Sickler, Jenna Duncan, Kelsey Forrester, Jordan Kalasian, and Alex Logue. Production assistant is Lauren McHugh. And a special thank you to Mark Katchis at the Tampa Bay Times and at USF St. Petersburg. Thank you to Dr. Mark Walters and Dr. Casey Frechette. Until next time, I'm Elliot Weiser.